welcome to the Tea Grannies. I'm Maria. And I'm Melise. Today we're here to chat about romance for beginners, so pour yourself a cup of tea and let's get started. So, romance, aka the most popular genre ever. So I remember an agent at a conference saying not to look down on romance writers. They're the ones rolling up in expensive sports cars for meetings with their agent. (laughs) (laughs) So why is it so popular? Uh, It's certainly a form of escapism in a more predictable way than fantasy is because you know what you're getting when you pick up a romance. And so what it really boils down to is human connection. And that's why it's so effective across all genres, not just on its own. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yes. I like to think that, you know, fantasy is predictable, but when you really get into it, like all the different things you can do with world building and stuff, you don't really know what Mm -hmm. you're getting into until you dive in. Whereas romance, like there is a formula. And if you're Mm -hmm. a romance writer and you know what you're doing, you know the formula. So I don't know the formula and maybe that's already (laughs) obvious. Maria is going to be in the driver's seat for this one, for most of this one. I'll probably talk too much because that's just what we do. But (laughs) um, when it comes to romance, I'm the first person to admit it's not straight up romance is not my thing. Like I don't go looking for romance novels at the bookstore and I don't consider myself a romance writer, but I do like love stories. And I like to write love stories for my characters. It's just never the main focus. And it's not something that I strive to include if it isn't going to fit. So I try to make sure that it's actually, you know, relevant or necessary, or the characters should have good chemistry before I decide that they're going to be together. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I I tried um, starting a story by saying, I know these two characters are going to get together. They didn't get together. I had to go with somebody else. So I feel like I can't predict those things. Um, That said, like I said, I do enjoy when books have romance in them. I'm also not going to be upset if they don't. I know people that are just like, there was no love story in this. And I'm really disappointed because I wanted to get the warm fuzzies. And I didn't. And that's very sad. Um, But yeah, it doesn't necessarily bother me. If there's brief hints of a love story happening, but it never takes much of a role in the story, I'm all for it. I'm good. It's probably a fantasy and I'm more interested in the world building anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for fantasy, I like romance to be like like an ingredient, but not necessarily the main. Yeah. uh, The main course, as they say. (laughs) So yeah, there's a lot of different types of romance though. So we're kind of going to do an overview of romance in this Mm -hmm. episode as as best we can. Uh, Mm -hmm. If you're already a romance reader or writer, then I mean, it's super nice of you to still be listening. Um, (laughs) If you don't know what you're doing for romance, well, eh, that's what we're here. Thanks for for. showing up. (laughs) You'll learn with me. Yay. Yeah, we'll learn together. Uh, So yeah, like, like I said, there's lots of different kinds and I'm sure there's probably more, hmm, accurate ways to describe them but this is how I like to describe romances for me so there's your bodice ripper harlequin (laughs) kind of romances you know the old school men with no shirt on the cover with the long (laughs) fabio hair okay um got your regency romance historical contemporary fantasy dark romance um and depending on on which way you're going like you can if you're blending romance with another genre then you can kind of pick and choose what elements fit you know like if you're writing a fantasy with some romance like maybe you're gonna get some real regency romance vibes in it Mm -hmm. depends on your world building right yeah um so romance as a genre for itself it has a it has a formula which we kind of talked about 
And there's lots of different variations of the formula. They're all pretty much comes down to the same, same shit. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) they generally go the meet cute, rejection of the potential relationship, giving the relationship a chance, trials and temptations, the I need you, but I can't have you because of X, Y, Z, and then the road back together. So the main thing in a romance is there is always a happily ever after. This is what the reader expects when they pick up a romance and you should, you should deliver on those expectations. Yeah. If you don't deliver, you're not writing a romance anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where you get into if you're blending it, like I've written a fantasy romance and I would still say there's like lots of romance in it, but I Mm -hmm. wouldn't call it a straight romance because it is not a happily ever after. Mm. Mm-hmm. Sorry. <laughs> so uh, the other thing you see a lot in romance, there's different types of tropes. And so I feel like I could do a whole episode on tropes. We could. Yeah. We totally could. So yeah. We won't. <laughs> we might maybe someday, but maybe, not this time. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe, maybe next <laughs> That'd be season. Fun. I like this plan. Um, so tropes are there for a reason because they work. Mm-hmm. So don't be afraid to use them. It's it's fine. You don't have to try and break the mold. Right. The tropes are fun and I love tropes. So yeah. a couple of examples of what I'm talking about are uh, enemies to lovers, friends to lovers, fake dating, mm. marriage of convenience. Favorites. There's a lot of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like rivals to lovers. I love, love yeah. that one too. The one bed trope, like in, in yeah, a the hotel, there's only one bed, but all these two people, <laughs> they have to share a bed or sleep on the floor. Oh no. Yes. That's like, my favorite oh, trope. No. Oh my I goodness. I love that one. Or it's kissing, funny. kissing to get out of a situation. <laughs> I really yes, love that I one. I love that. That was in an episode of a show I used to be obsessed with. And I remember what happened. I was like, oh my God. I was so excited because like, yep. these characters had all this chemistry. Oh, that they kiss to get out of a stereo. Oh, yeah. So, like, mm-hmm. you can you can just use those tropes. Use them everywhere. <laughs> yep. I see a lot of the enemies to lovers trope lately. I don't know if you feel the same way, but I feel like I see mm-hmm. it in all the reviews, a lot of the books that you and, you and I have been reading <laughs> over the it's last so couple popular. of months. Yeah, it's yeah. huge right now, particularly in the fantasy, fantasy romance mm-hmm. blend, because as we established earlier, that is all I read. (laughs) Got to branch out at some point. But if you've read much of my series of The Nymph Keepers, you'll probably notice that Enemies to Lovers isn't really my thing. Um, When I I started writing book one, I thought that was going to be my thing. And then I realized, no, uh uh-uh, that would be way too problematic for me. I would find that like an abusive relationship and I can't do that to my character. So I lean more towards the friends to lovers thing. Um, I find it easier to track. I find enemies to lovers can have this weird boundary where um, what works is on one side and then what ends up feeling gross and abusive is on the other. And that's super sketchy and I don't want to touch it with a 10 foot pole. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> if you're brave enough and you can make it work and lots of writers <laughs> have and do because we've we've read so many that have done it really well this year. Um, mm-hmm. Great. Go for it. Um, but I... Yeah, I don't I don't think I care enough about the romance threads in my plot to try and make it work because that would be I don't know. That just It requires a level of commitment to make enemies to lovers work. That's like a front and center plot yeah. thing. So I guess that's another reason why I just don't I don't do yeah. it. So if you're like me and romance isn't something that you wanna have as a main focus, but you still want those love story elements that you you'd like to include for your characters because they're fun and they're cute and we love them. I think the best way to think of it, and Maria gave me this idea when we were making notes for this, is um, a subplot. It's just another subplot. Um, just like any, 
you have your main plot, especially in a fantasy world, is probably going to be a big world-saving thing. Most likely, that's most of them. Um, and then you have your subplots of relationships, like maybe the character and one of their parents has an issue, and they have to sort that out throughout the book. And that's not the main focus. It may not even have a huge relevance on the main plot throughout the story, but it's there to add extra tension, to add extra interest, um, and it's just kind of a fun side thing going on to keep things interesting. And I think that's how I prefer to think of romance in my stories when it shows up. So if you're an outliner, just make it easy on yourself. Do a little research on the romance formula if you don't know it already, um, and then just use that to build your outline and plot out your subplot of romance throughout the story. Focus on those beats. I know I'll have to go through it as I'm writing my books and be like, okay, am I hitting the romance beats or am I just totally making this, you know, not satisfying for the reader, which I'm always a little worried about. So that's a good way um, if you like to to keep things organized that way. Um, but if you're a pantser, you know, you, you can do it. You can do it. We do it all the time. We'll make it work eventually, right? I do it. Every <laughs> book I've written in the last couple of years has wing just it. been for the win. So romance. yeah, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> hitting all the beats when it's a subplot. Like you don't have to follow the formula to the letter, especially you're not writing a romance. So mm -hmm. your primary audience is never going to be those romance readers who can spot an issue from 100 pages away. Like they're going to go to the romance section of the bookstore and pick out their romance books. And if they see yours on a shelf, they might be like, oh, that's interesting and suggest it to their fantasy friend. You know, don't worry about it. Don't worry about those people. <laughs> you won't have to please them. Um so, like, you don't have to worry about having all those touchy-feely scenes or the fade to blacks or gasp writing actual sex scenes. Oh, my God. Because your readers aren't coming to you for that. They don't want that from you. That's not why they're here. Um, thank God. But you do need to try and make the relationship dynamics make sense. Um, like with any relationship on any scale for any genre. Like, if you have two best friends and they have conflict, you got to deal with that. Um, parents, siblings... Even between protagonist and antagonist, you got to figure out their relationship dynamics and how they work together or don't work together, whatever. Um, romance as a subplot is the same thing. For my part, I try to only have a couple of scenes at most that are focused on the romance aspect strictly. Um, I like to have one or two so that it's like, this is important to these characters. It makes some kind of splash on the overall story but i don't want to go overboard um so they should have like one or two heart to hearts some sweet touches or moments where their dynamic is really well displayed like how do these two characters mesh together what shows their chemistry in the best way pick the best of the best and discard the rest because mm -hmm. again your audience is not here to see all of those scenes that's not what they're there for so you don't need to worry about sprinkling it in everywhere um and yeah these can be subtle the rest of the story is more important but then I also, as I was thinking about this, I feel like I treat romance kind of how I treat world building. So I like subtlety. I want thin threads woven carefully in with the rest of the plot, the rest of the dialogue, the rest of the story beats. So that as with world building, I'm never doing one big info dump or for comparison's sake, that would be like a romance straight up sex scene. <laughs> uh -uh, I'm not going to do that. But yeah, yeah, it like doesn't belong there at all. And no one's here there. for that. And no one wants that. So I've got to be really careful about, you know, how big I make the moment and how much importance I put onto it because that's not what my audience wants. Um, so a general rule is um, that I try to use that keeps me mostly on track is to make sure that every scene in my book fulfills 
several goals at once. So you're not just moving the plot forward with a scene. You also want to be having some character development, raising some tension and stakes, um, moving some different subplots forward. Like you're, you're meshing more than one thing together. One scene shouldn't be focused on one single thing. Um, so if I want to advance things in my romance subplot department, then I make sure it happens at a natural feeling time. Like you can't, I don't know, if you want to go Pirates of the Caribbean 3 and mm -hmm. throw a wedding into the middle of the grand final battle, go ahead. I love that trope. But some people hate it with a passion because you know it doesn't really make sense it doesn't really work that's not when i would choose to propose and kiss and yet no i'm covered in blood and guts and gore i am killing yeah. gangs i'm focused on other things right now i can't feel the warm fuzzies when i'm covered in blood okay so you know it's contentious we can move on i got off on a tangent there whatever yeah. <laughs> you know, i have to add to your tangent which is uh Again, a popular series that I dislike that shall remain nameless in the podcast because so many people love it. I'm afraid <laughs> it will call through my head. Um, <laughs> it's not Akatar. I love that one. <laughs> uh, so this one is like, like, why would you have a very sexually charged moment with your partner right. in a life and death scenario? Like I try and envision my husband. It would and never I in that happen. And I'm going. No. I'm gonna save his ass first. Then we're gonna eat, <laughs> and then we're gonna sleep and have a bath, and then I will think about it. Like there's just no like. I mean, to me that reeks of right horny like, teenager. And so in young adult, I'm sort of like, okay, well, maybe I mean, that's maybe enough, like the right kind of drama for them. But like, mm -hmm. I read like adult fantasy. I'm like, oh come on. You know that they're way yep. more concerned. Yeah, they have other things right on now. their mind. <laughs> so keep it keep it natural. Yeah, make it make sense. Answer. That's what we were trying to say. So it yeah, all ties totally. back keep in. Keep it natural. <laughs> yes. So exactly. yeah, when I'm trying to do a subplot, the most important thing is just to to keep it realistic. Honestly, like, would they be thinking about this in this moment, or would mm -hmm. they be thinking about other things? Because believe it or not, when you're with your husband twenty four seven. You know, you think about other things together and separately. You really do. I can promise you. <laughs> I can promise you that. Oh, my goodness. We are old married tea grannies, okay? We're not, we're not old, but anyway. We're <laughs> we old at heart. feel old. Um, yeah. But yeah, so this, keeping those things in mind, just making sure that, you know, it's happening at a normal time, but you've got other things going on mm -hmm. and it's not always the main focus. This helps make sure that your subplots don't, bog down the main plot um, and then yes. pull readers out of the stuff that they're actually there to read about. So it, it all comes back to audience, it seems like, um, mm -hmm. right for your reader. Who's your ideal reader? Focus on that and everything else will fall into place at some point or another. <laughs> so next up for our uh, romance for beginners <laughs> is the spice scale. Ooh. So this could look different for everybody. I feel like there's maybe going to be some varied opinions mm -hmm. um but in our mind the spice scale is there to determine how much sex is going to be in the story yep. so whether there's even if there's none you know there's still going to be some good tension hopefully if you're doing your romance mm -hmm. right that's how it mm -hmm. should be so um <laughs> first on the scale is fade to black this is where elise is <laughs> <laughs> elise lives here i had to make sure to get yes. that in there yes yes and fade to black is there's nothing wrong with fade right. to black like i i have had a lot of trouble writing sex scenes like i'm slowly getting braver mm. and getting better mm -hmm. at it but mm, fade to black for 
for most yeah. things. Um, second is minimal sex and not very descriptive. So it's somewhere between fade to black and like an actual descriptive scene. Um, and it use usually like this will kind of come around in young adults mm. um, because they're old enough to read a little about sex, but descriptive sex in young adults is usually <laughs> frowned upon. <laughs> uh, but this also works in, in adult romance too. Like not every mm-hmm. romance you pick up is going to have a ton of sex in it. There's lots of clean romances yep. out there, which they would fall into these two mm-hmm. categories. Um, on the third on the scale is a descriptive sex scene, but uh, vanilla, as they say. And I just want to say that this is common in historical romance. And I've read a lot of historical romance when I went, oh, my God, I hope no one is reading this over my shoulder. (laughs) So it can be done well. I'm not saying that it's boring. (laughs) It's just classic. Uh, Classic. Yeah, your classic scene. Uh, Yeah. And then uh, spice level four is very descriptive. That's where there gets to be more like like dirty talk. There's like introduction to kinks. And these are definitely not the books you're going to lend to your mom or <laughs> read. Like if you're listening to the audiobook, this is the kind of where you get to the point where you're like, oh my God, I hope my headphones don't suddenly stop working. That's that level. <laughs> And five, the most spice, that's where you get into minimal plot, only sex. Mm. And I suppose, like, yeah, like erotica, that falls into erotica. I yeah, suppose, it can be. But there's also lots of adult romances that are pretty like that, especially, um, like, there's some holiday, like, novellas going around on Instagram. Mm. And I'm like, oh, that one sounds interesting. And I got, like, 10 pages in, and I was like, holy shit. They move fast. <laughs> <laughs> that moved a little quick for oh. me. Uh, I'm just going to... Just close that without opening it again. So yeah, there's <laughs> different levels. Um, and it write what you're comfortable mm-hmm. with. Uh, like I know that I will read up to like four pretty comfortably, but I can only write. Mm-hmm. I'm somewhere between two and three. Yeah, right now. and for per- for perspective, I'm definitely like I'm straight up one. Fade to black is where yeah. it's at. If we even get that far, like I might just cut the scene <laughs> yeah. out there. We don't even know if yeah. they're going to do it because that's not our information. We don't care. Yeah, it's not our business. Not <laughs> so our business. I live somewhere around there poster. sometimes. Sometimes, you know, fade to black is, I'm comfortable there, but I'll read up to four. Yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. I think once we get into five, I'm like, okay, yeah. this is. I'm not here for this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. It needs, again, guys, still needs to be character driven. Mm-hmm. Character mm-hmm. driven. All right. Which actually, gets me to my next point perfect uh, what not to do in romance excellent this is our favorite thing yeah. to talk about for everything New what favorite. not I to do i love doing the what not to do <laughs> it's like what not to wear yeah. it's so toxic but yeah totally like that so what not to do my number one thing don't skip the tension do not do not that is the best that's part a candy of reading romance yeah whether it's a subplot or the main plot you're all there for the anticipation. It's so powerful and you just you just don't want to skip it. And then when they do get together, just make sure you deliver and draw it out. Mm-hmm. Like deliver, yeah. you yeah. know. And that's the right the reader's reward for sticking with you um through the characters ups and downs, especially if you're in straight romance territory. Like that's the <laughs> double entendre climax of the book <laughs> <laughs> and and you should you know deliver for your yeah. reader like I already give them what they're myself. there for 
give them what they want. Give the people what they give want. Give it to them. Right. So um, back to our enemies to lovers. So it is difficult to pull off, and I, and I do agree. But when it's done well, it is just <sighs> so Mm-hmm. there's something about that so, spice level that's just like it oh, doesn't even fit into the scale the properly even if it's all fade to black yeah. stuff like it's still like wow that's like it's like its own scale yeah enemies to lovers. It's triple and, pepper heat jeez <laughs> exactly. and one of the reasons it works so well is because of the tension mm-hmm. so enemies will obviously have a lot of tension yeah. the more incidences they have with each mm-hmm. other the higher the tension mm-hmm. gets. So when it evolves into like a sexual romantic tension, it's like so rewarding for sure. the because they're like, oh my God. It's like, if you guys haven't read A Court of Thorns and Roses, mm-hmm. I mean, where have you yeah, been? There's that. Uh, but you you got to read mm-hmm. it. Um, I think actually the first book is like, like good. It's the second book. Right, I remember. Like you amazing. said the second one you like yeah. better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I liked it so much better. So I feel like if you want a really good enemies lovers, you should uh, you should read yeah, that. Yeah, that's one. that's that the well classic one to start with. Classic, yes. Uh, but yeah, like Elise said, there's a lot of these stories end up feeling a bit uh, abusive or icky. Mm-hmm. Um, even one of my recommendations later in the episode is a bit like when it happened. I was like, ooh, that's <laughs> taking it a bit too yeah. far. But I still overall liked it, so okay. I'm still going to recommend it. <laughs> So tread carefully when you write this. And uh, this is one of those times where having a critique group mm-hmm. or beta readers is going to be very helpful for yeah. you to know if you're getting that tension right or if there's something kind of gross mm-hmm. about it. Um, which leads me to uh, a trope that I something really hate. Something gross. <laughs> something <laughs> gross. Protective man and damsel in distress. Oh, la, la. Huh. Okay. In real life. <laughs> The only time that that works for me is when I can't reach the popcorn and my husband brings it to me. I'm a damsel in distress. Or when I need snow, like, cleaned off my truck. Oh, yeah. Like, he's just, you know, that's where I go, babe, you're so much better at it. Oh. You just, that's when I pull it. But, like, in real, when you're reading the story about it, this only works for me if the damsel in question is also a badass. Mm-hmm. And, like, it kind of goes back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um it's just too sexist for mm-hmm. me. It's like, yes, you need the big strong man to save you, poor little woman. So I don't, that's why I really hate that one. Yep. I mean, there's the other tropes I don't yep. like, but that one I just. That one's the worst. I don't like yeah. it. Yeah. I don't, that was, that was my least favorite. So give me more feminist romance. Um, and one of, I've got a bunch of recommendations at the end of the episode, yeah. but the latest era of contemporary romance has been so much fun because I feel like the feminist themes are much stronger Mm -hmm. and like more explored and they like, they're just so good. I just, yeah, you got to read them. Um, And even in historical romance, like uh, there's an author that does feminism and historical romance really well. And it's Evie Dunmore and her books focus on like women trying to get the vote in like England and like the 1800s. And like, it's just awesome. It's awesome. There's lots of, romance in it still but you know she yeah. doesn't neglect the social issues which is super that is awesome cool. yeah and that <laughs> it's my next point <laughs> speaking of feminism <laughs> don't be a sexist pig mm-hmm. don't do mm-hmm. it if you get feedback on your writing in any genre uh that accuses you of being sexist take a step back and look at it and leave your defensive emotions at the door because even if you're doing your best sometimes things slip through the cracks yeah. And like we all do yep. it and we're all trying to be better. So just use those moments to better your knowledge and your understanding. Mm-hmm. 
and don't take it as a personal mm-hmm. attack. Yeah, and I think that's key. Like it's not it's not a personal thing. Your intentions may have been the complete opposite. But someone yeah. read it that way. And there might be something you can tweak mm-hmm. and just a small thing you can change to like clarify, no, this is the direction that I was mm-hmm. trying to go. Um yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a that's an important one. If someone says you're be yeah. something came across as sexist, you and that's not your intention. Like, if you're intending to write a character who is sexist and that's how it's coming across, well, you know, then by, then by all means, means exactly. Yeah. But if if yeah, that's people will hate him, and it'll be if great that's not what you want, <laughs> if that's not what you want, then yeah, definitely listen to your feedback, listen yeah. to your beta readers, and just be as open as possible. And yeah, don't yeah. take it personally. And, <laughs> and if you want to have a good laugh, um, I can't remember their handle on TikTok, but I'm sure you can find it. <laughs> Um, someone reads men writing women. Oh, you've sent me those. <laughs> and yes, and they are so bad that first of all, you will laugh and then you will wonder how did this get published? Yeah. How? Mm-hmm. And then you'll kind of wonder, you know, what the poor women in that guy's life must <laughs> So equal parts <laughs> hilarious, but also kind of depressing. Just yeah, so also you depressing. know. So just, just be ready. But it is, it is definitely worth, uh, yeah we'll try and find the handle and put it in the description after yeah um yeah but back to what not to do because you can definitely go watch those tiktoks but what not to do i mean that might be good romance uh research of what not to do so it still fits um i'd recommend avoiding elements that you put in just for shock value um Mm -hmm. and i think writers tend to throw in graphic and dramatic things just to wow people just to make a splash to make things interesting to you know um have an effect on the reader and mm, i would as hesitate strongly to go that route like if you're gonna do something big and dramatic and shocking it's got to have a really good reason to be there it's got to make sense everything mm-hmm. needs to make sense and come in naturally if you're just going to use the graphic or intense if you're going to use the graphic or intense themes anyways um trigger warnings can be really important. Mm -hmm. So that's where we get into this. So these are often contentious in many, many circles, whether you're talking about fiction or at school or whatever it is. Like Mm -hmm. people debate about this until they'll they'll keep debating until the world has ended. Um, Some people swear by them. Some people think that they're just, you know, useless or cushy or whatever it is that they don't like about it. But in marketing, which is what you're going to have to do if you ever get published in any way, shape, or form, um, they can be especially helpful to make sure that you're reaching the exact audience that you want, which is crucial for book sales. So, you know, don't just don't just throw these out. So unless you're writing something like a dark romance or a dark fantasy where people are expecting things to get graphic and gritty and kind of gross, um, you're going to want to be careful. And Trigger warnings help you do this. They help you ensure that you don't leave your reader with a bad taste in their mouth. So in psychology, we often talk about how a single negative interaction with relationships, especially like with your spouse or your partner or Mm -hmm. whatever, if you have a a negative interaction with them one day, you could have had three or four positive ones up until that point in the morning. And then at lunchtime, something happens and you're just not happy. That will overshadow every positive thing that happened the rest of the day. Like that's the human brain remembers negative feelings and reactions way more easily, way more strongly. So if you're going to include something big and graphic and kind of nasty like rape or abuse or 
whether that's physical or emotional or otherwise, or other triggering behavior, anything that's, you know, just intense, and you're writing a fluffy Hallmark romance novel style, um, yeah, the the only thing that your readers will remember is how you trick them into reading something awful. Um, and they'll probably leave you terrible reviews online so that other people don't make the same mistake because now you've, you haven't given them what they wanted. And maybe you're like, haha, I, tr- I got them to read it anyway, but that's not really points in your favor um, or theirs. No one's happy at the end of the day because, you know, it's not going to help you sell more. It's not going to help them read more. Um, and you've pro- you could potentially hurt somebody. So, you know, it's, it's worth thinking about. It's worth paying attention to. And trigger warnings can help warn these readers that, hey, this element may not be what you're expecting from this style of writing, this genre. Or if you're someone who has published other books before and now you're kind of branching out, that can be a good signal to your, to your previously established reader base that, hey, if you're into this, but you're not into this, be careful of this one book. You might like the rest of the book, but there is an element of this that you might not like. Like it's, it's just, um, hey, this element might not be for you. So if you're looking to avoid this at this time, maybe don't read this book, come back to it later if you want. But I'd say that the basic rule with trigger warnings, use your common sense. Uh, If you're writing a dark fantasy, like I said, grimdark or a dark romance, um, you probably don't need trigger warnings for gore or violence because that's what's supposed to be in those books. So people go into those books expecting it. But if you're writing a nice YA fantasy about world hopping teenagers and it's just kind of fluffy and light and all of a sudden, wham, a character starts delving into suicidal ideation or someone is the victim of rape, um, you're going to get thrown to the wolves, not only by your surprised readers, but by librarians looking out for the minors of the world. They will tear you to shreds, guaranteed. Uh, You won't get into schools. You won't get into libraries. That would be, you know, that's a, that's a big minus. Um, so slap on that trigger warning and save yourself a, a lot of heartbreak. Just do some of the work ahead of time and it'll save you in the long run. And then another thing to watch out for is if you're having to, you're finding that you're having to include a lot of trigger warnings because you're looking at your work and seeing that, oh, these elements aren't typically in this genre. I guess I should throw in a warning for that and a warning for that. And you find yourself with a handful or that happens every time. That may be a really good indication that you're not writing in the right genre or you've mislabeled your book in the wrong genre. Um, so yeah, that, that can be a helpful exercise um, in figuring out where you fit and who you're trying to target. It helps you like figure out who your target audience is. Um, so it's just a really helpful thing to think about all around yeah and unless you're writing um like dark fantasy dark romance uh please don't use rape as a plot (laughs) device yep like i've seen it so much and it's an immediate like one star for Mm. me Mm -hmm. like i read i read a lot of game of thrones i think i was in like book four or five or something before i called it um and i just couldn't get over it like how much rape was in it and then there's always always men in the comments on the internet going well they're being realistic um (laughs) can we not Mm. um you know it's a real issue in the world (laughs) and a lot of us don't want to read about it in fiction as well okay so um and i i noticed Oh, it just it makes me crazy and I see it I see the books and I'm like oh my gosh and then also sometimes like there's another really popular book out right now that I actually bought and was really excited to read and then I read someone's review of it and it has like rape of underage oh. like people mm-hmm. in it and I was like 
Oh, and, and people are, are raving about this book and saying how wonderful it is, but people just skate right over Sketchy. that. So yeah. And I didn't see a trigger warning for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what? So now it's sitting on my shelf and I spent money on it and I'm not even sure I want to read it now. Yeah. So, trigger warnings are yeah. important. And, and again, with the whole genre thing, I feel like we've harped on that a bit last episode and this episode too. Uh, make sure you're in the, the right genre. Yeah. Yep. You know, so if you're writing a fluff, like Elise said, if you're writing a fluffy romance, don't go throwing in something like that because people aren't expecting it and they, they don't want to read right. it. They're not there for that. And that's <laughs> they're not there like for with that. The, the psychology thing. That's the thing that they're going to remember mm-hmm. the most is what they yeah. didn't like about it. Yeah, that's what I remember most about Game of Thrones. <laughs> and when people are like, why don't you watch the show? It seems like something you'd really like. I'm like, well, you know, I just really don't like seeing people get raped. <laughs> Ha-ha. I just, I'm not sure why that's controversial, yeah. but I just really uh-huh. don't like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not going to watch yeah. it. Sorry. But to oh, be maybe. fair, um, Game of Thrones is labeled as grimdark, I believe. So it, yes. it doesn't need a trigger oh, warning because like that's what you're in for. Warning. And if, if that's yes. not for you, that's not for you. Like you're not the target audience, right? Yeah. I'm not the target audience. Exactly. I would love every no. other thing about that series. But because of what I've heard <laughs> of what you're saying already, I haven't taken it in because I know it would bug me too much. Yeah. Yeah. And then anything where... Where the dog dies. Oh. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> so yeah. another warning, but that's it. Yeah. I feel like there should be a trigger warning for that too. So I don't go get my heart broke. <laughs> oh. So struggles with writing romance. This is, yeah, this is kind of a funny one because I couldn't write romance at all. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, and I really, really struggled with it. I did not even know where to start mm-hmm. with romance. And I really wanted to add it to my fantasy, my first book that I wrote. And I was so overwhelmed, confused mm-hmm. about how to do mm-hmm. it. So um, reading romance. I mean, I feel like this is such our usual advice. Go read. Read it. <laughs> <laughs> Go read. But that is that is the the biggest thing I think when you're trying to uh, add some romance into your story or you want to write a romance because you know you've got the idea but you just don't know how to execute it yet that's read definitely read and uh, some other good advice I received was to think back on the early days of my relationship with my husband Mm, and how I felt Um, and that was that was helpful of course we've been together for like 15 years so I (laughs) probably have faulty memory (laughs) think that far back uh, and if you're not in a long-term relationship, a uh, good substitute for trying to get that like first meeting, like butterflies feelings is like, picture how you feel if you met your ultimate celebrity crush. Mm-hmm. That would definitely help you pin down the nerves and the feeling and the vibe. Yep. Or your favorite book crush <laughs> or, you know. Yep. Any of those. Um, yeah. And if you're writing a more mature relationship or trying to develop a new one. So consider that intimacy comes with knowing someone well Mm -hmm. so this can apply to friends and family too it's not just romantic relationships so um things like knowing how they take their tea like what Mm -hmm. does their fake nice behavior look like you know what calms them down when they're upset uh and writing intimacy is the key to to good romance because it's i mean sex is only one component so like just because two characters have a sexual relationship doesn't mean you've convinced the reader yeah. of like their love and affection yeah. it's just a one component so you know this is where people get a little <laughs> funny when they're like i don't like romance it's just it's all about sex 
well, that's not really what it boils mm -hmm. down to. And that's not the real appeal of the mm -hmm. genre and, and why we, why we love to read yeah. it. Right. Like who doesn't love a good romance? <laughs> right? So one of the other things I, I, uh, I love to see in romance and I, I recommend that you work on this too, as a, as a writer is the banter. So you need some banter, you need some laughs. Um, people aren't going to be interested in a romantic relationship that doesn't make the characters happy and doesn't make you happy as a reader. Um, so it's kind of nice. I've gotten some nice feedback on my own writing about this where people are like, oh, I love the banter between them. Well, like that's, that's awesome. Like I, that's such a good thing to be good at that. I didn't know I was good at until, until someone told me. Yeah. Cause that's crucial. <laughs> that's like. It's huge. And, you know, all you have to do is hang out with someone who's really comfortable with their partner yeah. and you'll see it, yeah. you know, like hang out with your, your married friends or if your parents have a good marriage, mm -hmm. like anything that, and just watch some of the stuff that they do. It's so subtle. Like some of just, they have conversations without speaking. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That kind of stuff. And that's the kind of things that can really drive home the character's connection. And, you know, we do it when we write friendships, we do it right? And when you write even enemies, mm -hmm. same thing. But when you do it for romance, it does have an added layer of like intimacy that you got to get it in there. There's another layer of closeness that has to be touched on for yes. it to all come together. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And speaking of struggling with writing romance, like we've established, it's not my thing. It's not my genre. That's not where I spend the most of my time. Um, but I once read this review, I'm sorry, I don't remember what book it was for, who wrote the book, who wrote the mm -hmm. review, where I saw it, it was on the internet somewhere, so good luck. Um, but the reviewer was commenting that throughout the main love story in the book they were reading, the love interests only like, they, they held hands a couple of times, or maybe they like, one of them touched the other person's cheek one time, and it was a really touching moment. And like, despite not having very many of those touchy-feely moments, it was probably the most romantic and beautiful relationship they had read and experienced in a very long, long time. Um, and I was so struck by this description of how they experienced reading this relationship that ever since then I've taken it as a kind of a challenge. And maybe that's why I just never dove into writing explicit romance books <laughs> with sex in them because um, I want to make my characters show their closeness in other ways. I want to see how far I can take that relationship and show it without having to have those physically intimate moments. So if you think about it, human beings show each other love in so many other ways, like in what we say to each other, what we do for each other, but then in how we tell other people about the people that we love and how mm -hmm. we talk about them when they're not around um, or in how we think about them. Like that's something only you can know, but this can be mm -hmm. especially powerful in a first person narrative where we are inside the person's head and we get to see exactly how they think about everybody and how they think about the person that they think they're in love with is going to be really, really telling. Or if you're bouncing back and forth between two love interests and you get to see how they think about each other and the contrast of that and whether they're aligned mm -hmm. or not. And that gives you a whole bunch of insight into how that relationship works or doesn't or why it does or doesn't and all of that like we have direct contact with our characters minds so using that to show love and romance is bound to be like 
a home run most of the time if you do it well. Um, but just just think about how we look at each other when we think no one's watching or when you're just so enamored that you forget that everyone can see you. But like every once in a while, yeah. I, I catch myself, I'm staring at my husband, like we're sitting in the living room reading books side by side or whatever. And I just, you know, I get in a daze. Dream relationship. Yeah, just look up. <laughs> Goals. Um, so, well, we're doing something as simple as reading. No one's talking. Nothing is happening. We're not even touching. He's in his chair. I'm on the couch, whatever. Um, and I just get this this smile and I can't fight it down. Like if, if I'm in public, then people are going to see that I'm smiling for no reason at all. Um, because I just, you know, I feel so in love with him in the moment. Like I just have to look at his face, at the way he holds his mouth when he's thinking about something or the way he's holding the book and how comfy he looks in the chair or his hair is tousled just a little bit and looks a little funny and it makes me laugh and I just I get the warm fuzzies I'm just sitting there staring at a man reading a book like which is such a sexy right thing. you should all put that in your novels <laughs> goals <laughs> But if I was sitting on a train staring at some rando reading a book, he might have a nice beard. Sure, I might think that he looks nice in wherever he's sitting and and find that, you know, a, a attractive visual picture. But it's not the same as when I'm sitting there staring at this person that I have a history with and that just by looking at them and thinking about them, I I I have these feelings that are just there based on other feelings from the past and moments that have happened far away or nearby or whatever. Um, but that's, uh, that's romance. That's intimacy. I'm not even touching him and I can feel it. And we can write our characters mm -hmm. to experience that as well. Um, another one that I've been really intrigued by is if you know a couple in your life who doesn't seem to show physical closeness, but who are, you know, intimate and, and together, together, um, you can usually get a sense of that i mean to an extent we can't know everything because we don't live with them but mm -hmm. if you know a couple who like you've just kind of had this vibe that they don't really they don't really do the physical touch thing in public maybe they just don't like pda whatever um mm -hmm. pay attention when you hang out with them and watch and listen and see if you can see what does bond them other than physicality like how do they show love to each other if it's not through physical touch because some people aren't they're not touchy-feely they just don't love the whole hands all over yeah. they don't like hugs whatever it is like it's just not their thing and that's fine there's other ways of of loving each other and i really like to look out mm. for those in my characters because i i find it just rounds them out so much more like it it forces people to realize that romance is not just about sex yes and just to add in all of the other things that make relationships interesting so this also makes it really easy to show intimacy without needing to become comfortable writing or reading sex scenes. Yay! <laughs> I've given you an out. Yay. You're welcome. Because <laughs> um, I'm not interested in doing that. And I mean, I still like reading about and writing about people falling in love and falling out of love mm -hmm. and the process of that. So how can I show those things happening outside of the bedroom? Well, I've got to do my research. Um, and a lot of research just comes from living and reading and watching movies and in engaging in stories and seeing how humans exist together. So I feel like that was just mm -hmm. a really beautiful thing to say. And now I'm getting all the warm fuzzies just from this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> me too, because um, I actually had someone tell me <laughs> that my husband and I were like more like siblings Interesting. than romantic. And I was like, at the time, I was like a little offended. <laughs> um, so Excuse like, me. Oh, what? No incest, and then, please. Yeah, and then, you know, then it kind of came to me, like, later, I actually took it upon myself to observe that person's relationship. Because mm. I was like, I wonder why they think that about 
us kind of thing. And uh, it was because they had a very cold relationship. Mm. And like that can work, maybe. <laughs> it didn't end up working. Mm. <laughs> um, but like for us, like we're very uh, chatty and like silly and there's a lot of banter yeah. and like that's kind of how we are. We're not a very touchy couple. Like we don't, we'll maybe hold hands in public. Like maybe, mm-hmm. like we're not big on, on like PDA and mm-hmm. just like not with it at all yeah. like we actually had to practice our kiss for oh. at our wedding because we were like what if we, what if we mess it up that was so cute <laughs> so we had to practice um which was <laughs> now that i'm saying it out loud sounds super amazing. that's so cute um, that is the most adorable thing i've ever heard <laughs> and you know what the pictures of our first kiss are really great <laughs> so i think it's worth the practice well our first kiss is amazing yeah. and um yeah, so it's something like every couple is different, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And like, you know, for example, I'm gonna like throw my parents in the mix again because uh, they're hilarious. And my dad will say stuff to just rile my mom up, <laughs> like just absolute bullshit. <laughs> and she'll be like, eh, and he's sitting there, just big grin on his face. Like that's he loves her more in that moment than any other time. That's his favorite. Yep. That's how they show affection. That sounds that's what they do. That sounds like <laughs> one of one of my grandparents' relationships is very yes. much like that. It's just you go to family dinner to listen to them banter because that's the best part of the day. <laughs> and uh, so apparently, good. my husband and I are like that. Apparently, yeah, it's a compliment when you're like mm-hmm. that. I think I think it shows how comfortable you yeah, are with each all the other. teasing and that's and you don't get offended yeah. like you know that it's yes. meant in a loving way and, it, and you, it's not about getting mad it's just it's mm-hmm. good fun exactly it's all in good fun yeah right and that's something that I like to see in books too because I mm-hmm. just sometimes I find romances tend to focus on the struggles of the couple maybe a little too mm-hmm. much and I'm like, well, yeah, like everybody, every couple has struggles. Um, but I think it's so we need those moments that sell us on their relationship. Mm-hmm. That sells it like on they're going to make yeah. it because of this. Yeah. Right. And so I think it's important to to really be aware of that. Like body language is mm-hmm. is huge mm-hmm. when you're writing like any kind of romance. Yeah. Like the body language is absolutely huge. Yeah. Like especially since COVID, I've noticed how little I actually like to be touched by like other people. <laughs> but like obviously my husband can touch me comfortably. Mm-hmm. But like if I run into an acquaintance and they go for a hug, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. So it's a little bit <laughs> uh no is a <laughs> It's a full answer, mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that's something to consider too. Like some people just don't like to really be touched. So yeah, take into account uh, what I'm getting at. Sorry, I went on such a tangent there. Uh, what I'm getting at is what, depending on what your character is like, they will express their affection in different yes. ways. So if you have a very introverted, very quiet character, they're probably not going to show their affection by banter. And they're not going to want a big like public um expression of love public from display. their partner oh my gosh yes they're not gonna respond well to that like proposing on the oh football field my type of thing. I'm like who likes that, that sounds like a stuff. horror story to me mm-hmm. that's i would just be like oh babe no mm-hmm. bye bye you, you don't know me at all do you <laughs> <laughs> yeah you don't know me at all <laughs> 
Oh my gosh, exactly. Oh. And so that's, yeah, that's something else to think about uh, as well. Because sometimes those like big romantic gestures go over better in like a book. And yeah. Obviously than they would in real yeah. life. Um, but I still think you gotta. Because well, you like, can smooth them out and get all rid of all of the, the kinks and stuff yeah. and then just have it go perfectly. Exactly. But that rarely happens in real life. So your characters have no. to be comfortable with, you know, winging it and having things go not their way for that to work out. <laughs> <laughs> I was reading I was reading a webcomic a uh, couple months ago probably like this was a while back and um it's it's a young adult thing it's a cute little romance between these high schoolers it's really adorable and I love it um but it's kind of going between these two three different love interests wow there's more than a triangle oh, wow. there wow 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 um <laughs> it's very clean very wholesome yeah <laughs> Uh, so so I was reading about she starts uh, she goes on a date with one of them and he's been her friend forever and they have really great banter and they've got this really like sweet teasing relationship where they just bug each other all the time they just have a lot of fun together all the time they're great friends and then they decide they want to you know shoot to see if they can make something more of it um but one of the other love interests is more of like, I'll bring you roses and I'm just kind of mm. cool and popular and I'm going to be like the guy that everyone wants and I'll take you on this fancy date and we'll have all the right things and it'll be – and then kiss at the – like, right? All of those fancy typical classic romantic gestures that make dating desirable, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And there was a comment at the end of this this – episode that I was reading about the date with the, the happy-go-lucky teasing friend. And they were like, yeah, that's more like a sibling relationship. And I wouldn't want my partner to be like that because that's just, that's not what you want in a romantic partner ever. Like, like no one would want that kind of thing. And I'm like, that relationship is just like my, my husband's and it's perfect and I yeah. would want nothing else. And if I was to date the other guy, I dated someone like that once and I couldn't handle it. I didn't like those gestures. Give me roses. Nope. I turn red as roses and then I just want to hide and it's uncomfortable <laughs> for everyone. And then the roses are dead. So they go and die more in my house and I'm supposed to give them water for no reason. And like, why would you <laughs> do that? <laughs> give me chocolate and tea and leave me alone for five hours and I'll love you forever. Yeah. So yeah, everyone's different. And you can't treat them all the same and different love interests will want different things from their partner. And you have to be, you know, make it, keep it natural, make it make sense. Exactly. Yeah. I couldn't do the whole, all those big gestures. Mm-hmm. They feel insincere. And when I read about them, they feel insincere too. Yeah. Like when, when the love interest is like doing the flowers and the fancy dinner and the black Amex card, it kind of feels like he's setting her up for an emotionally or financially abusive relationship. It never seems Mm -hmm. to, like, land Mm -hmm. well with me because I'm like, what are you, her dad? Like, it's so weird. (laughs) You're trying to buy me off? Come on. (laughs) Like, uh, that's a no for me. Wow, we got a slightly off. Slightly. Well, no, we're still still talking about romance. We just kind of went to it. Yeah, we're still talking about it. It's totally legit. Um, But, you know, before we run out of time, we've got to get to our recommendations. Mm -hmm. Now, we don't usually do, but book recommendations in our episodes uh, I wonder if we should start for certain ones but uh, we have a lot <laughs> so, yeah be prepared, be prepared. Uh, if you follow us on Instagram then you probably have already seen my reviews and photos of a lot mm-hmm. of these um, and hopefully you've already added them to your to be fed list because <laughs> they're amazing so <clears throat> one of my favorite contemporary romances that I've read in the last year are it happened one summer by Tessa Bailey uh, the Bromance Book Club series by Lissa K. Adams. That one was super mm-hmm. feminist and hilarious. 
the Flat Chair and The Switch by Beth O'Leary were both pleasantly surprising and I loved them very mm-hmm. much very sweet um and pretty clean those two okay just so you know the other one's <laughs> <laughs> important distinction uh, yeah um and for fantasy romance the most obvious one which is a damn fun series mm-hmm. is A Court of Thorns Roses by Sarah J Maas yep so that's a classic if you haven't read it you should um don't waste any more time read it right now I also loved Caravelle by Stephanie Garber. Um, I love that one. And The Savage and the Swan by Ella Fields. So that was one where the enemies lovers went a little, I was like, a little dark. A little dark. But it worked. It was well done. Okay. I thought it was cool. And it has a lot of like uh, fairy tale mm-hmm. elements to it. So I quite enjoyed that one. Um, I'm a big fan of Regency romance. So my historical romance recommendations, um, there's a new author I started reading. Her name is Harper St. George. And she wrote two books. Uh, the series is called The Gilded Age Heiresses, and they were fantastic. Uh, the Bridgerton series by Julia Quinn is great. And yes, there is a show on Netflix and season two comes out in March. And I'm so excited. <laughs> uh, there's also the Wallflower series by Lisa Claypass, who she is amazing. Like all of her books are amazing, mm-hmm. but I particularly like that series. And then um, another one that I can't stop recommending, which I'm not even sure what I would totally call this. It's like kind of like literary fiction romance. I'm not sure. Um, The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid. If you've already read a book by her, then you've probably already bought this one (laughs) and you should read it immediately. (laughs) I actually, I was crying when I finished and I was like, I don't think I'll ever be the same. So it was a a good one. I recommend it. Yeah, you've recommended that one to me. More than once. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just lent it to my mom and I was like, read it now. So uh, now I got to bug her to make sure she actually reads yeah. it soon because I got a lot of people that want to borrow it. Read it, it now so Elise can read it. Jeez. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I can lend it out. Uh, but yeah, there's also way more. I honestly, follow us on Instagram mm-hmm. for more book recommendations mm-hmm. because, uh, yeah, we do book reviews every week up there. So you can check us out there. Yep. And Elise has some pretty awesome recommendations. Yes. Well. And before I get into them, I was just going to say you can also follow, well, you can follow me, possibly Maria as well, on Goodreads. And then you can kind of see mm-hmm. what we're reading. And if you like some of the same stuff, chances are you'll like whatever we like. So don't judge <laughs> us. I did read Ice Planet Barbarians and I loved it. <laughs> so I'm not sorry. So maybe I'll put my <laughs> link to my Goodreads, but we'll keep Maria as a secret. <laughs> If you can spell my name and find me, you can me. <laughs> Good luck to you. That will be a test of courage. Um, but anyways, if you don't like or don't want main plot romance, maybe you want to branch out, maybe that's just not your thing, um, but you like having those warm fuzzies along with the, some of the main plot like I do, um, I have a few for you. So in the realm of fantasy, because of the books that I read, that's like 99% of them. Um, my favorite read of the year was City of Brass by S.A. Chakraborty. There is some ra- romance just kind of woven through the trilogy, and it's done really, really well, but it's never it's never the main feature. It's more about the fantasy elements, the world, the world building, and all of those things. So uh, that's a good one. I just read The Queen of the Tearling by Erica Johansson this uh, this past week, which um, that's just like the main thing is it's a fantasy book. Like you're getting your swords and your queens and kings and knights and fights and it's really fun uh, and romance is not the main focus at all. Uh, Six of Crows by Leigh Bardugo. I found the romance was very understated and subtle. Um mm-hmm. 
my Nymph Keeper series, book one and two are out. Shameless, shameless plug. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the, the romance is never the, the main thing, like, like I've said. Uh, so you can safely get, you know, at most a fade to black. I don't know if there's even any of those in there. So you'll be safe. Uh, the House in the Cerulean Sea by T.J. Klune was, oh my goodness, beautiful. my heart. Every time I think of it, I just kind of want to cry and laugh at the same time. It's so cute. Mm-hmm. Um, Mexican Gothic by Silvia Moreno-Garcia is also very good, subtle romance. I don't know if romance is even much of a feature at all in that one. So, you know. I haven't read that one yet. I read Gods of Jade and Shadow, okay. which has that's, had that's like a romance light thread. romance mm-hmm. elements. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, Mexican Gothic is focused on other things for sure. Uh, the Thief by Megan Whalen Turner. And then pretty much any series by, <laughs> here he is, Brandon Sanderson. I'm pretty sure I recommend him for everything, which is probably true. I still haven't read a single one of his books. <laughs> it's okay. I'm the worst um, he, do, he doesn't do the romance the way you like it. So Brandon Sanderson, <laughs> <laughs> he does a really good job of teasing love stories, like, implying them or adding hints about them or like mm-hmm. showing that yes these people are in love and love each other and you get the warm fuzzies but he doesn't actually focus on them very much and I'm especially enjoying how he's doing this in his Skyward series right now it's a young adult sci-fi um, so that's one of my non-fantasy books that I've finally branched out into this year you can praise me it's a trilogy so I've read three. Oh, look at me go <laughs> <laughs> and then I mean aside from that I've been reading a lot of the same book says Maria these days so there's more of a heavy romance focus um not that I'm complaining at all but uh lots of my other favorite recommendations are a bit older and if you haven't read them yet they're 100% worth checking out anyways Tamora Pierce I think several of her series would be good for this kind of thing but her Alana series mm. specifically I enjoyed as a young adult um I'm still a young adult I enjoyed as a teenager <laughs> let's go back a little bit <laughs> um The Book Thief by Marcus Zuzek is one of my favorite books of all time and there's kind of some Fantastic undertones book. of romance, but this is not a main mm. focus at all, and it's amazing. Uh, the Chronicles of Narnia, minor romance elements occasionally, but really not in there all that much at all. Howl's Moving Castle, there is a love story, but it is not the primary focus, and it's just kind of a... It's written for middle grade, but I find it just a warm, heartwarming, wonderful, if I want to feel good about myself in life, I read this book. Uh, okay, I need to read yes. that because I need mm-hmm. to feel good about myself in mm-hmm. life right it's now. It's super cute. It's just so <laughs> much fun. The magic is hilarious. And then The Goose Girl by Shannon Hale. And that's a, there's four books in that series. It's called The Books of Bayern series. The Goose Girl is the first one. My favorite is the fourth one, which is called Forestborn. If you read it, you'll probably understand me. Um, so it's one of my favorite <laughs> series of all times. It's it's incredible. It's adorable. The romance in the first one is maybe more of a main feature. And then in the other three books, it's not as much of a big deal. But that's it. I could I could go on and on and on about Oh, books. I have one more another. <laughs> we, see? Um, <laughs> <laughs> the Graceling. Mm. That's a oh, good that one. Is a good for one. Like, it has romance, but it's not the main plot, but mm-hmm. it's super well mm-hmm. done. So that's also just a fun Perfect. I'm general. glad that one made it the cut. It. Yes. Yes. Oh, it makes the cut for many, many things. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And that's the tea on romance for beginners. So don't forget to rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Instagram at the Tea Grannies podcast or on Twitter at the Tea Grannies. Join us next time for a chat with our favorite author, Eileen Cook. And she's the author of You Owe Me a Murder and With Malice, both which you need to read immediately. So we'll see you guys then. Happy writing.